everyone, and happy Easter. Welcome to the Sunday Recap. So glad that you joined us today. Uh, this is Chris McLaughlin, your discipleship pastor here at Stones Crossing Church, here with a uh, an assorted group of people today. Hey, welcome back, Pastor Mitch. What's up? <laughs> Mitch is back <laughs> from his... Uh, back and sleep deprived. Hey. <laughs> In his best form. If, if really I fall fun. asleep over here and you don't hear from me for a while, just know I'm taking a little nap. <laughs> so. How is the baby? Good. Yeah. I think we're very, I think we're lucky and we still think it's hard. <laughs> so yeah. he eats, sleeps three hours, eats, sleeps three hours. Very, That's actually pretty good. Very yeah. little complaining. We even went out to dinner last night, like sat yeah. on a patio with him. He was totally fine. No issues. Totally. I think we're lucky, but it's still hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so absolutely. And JC's mom's here right now, so I actually slept through the night last night. Oh, so you're <laughs> so, feeling good today. Yeah, so I actually nice. got a full night's sleep. <laughs> awesome. Well, welcome back. Glad Thank you're you. here. Ariel, how are you today? I'm great. Awesome. Yeah. Here, ready for the Easter podcast. Yeah. We also have uh, a good friend of, uh, of all of ours. Uh, this is Rachel Reese here joining us. Rachel, welcome. Thank you. Glad <laughs> to be here, friend. <laughs> So Rachel is uh, one of the uh, the co-directors of our women's ministry here at Stones Crossing Church and also a D-group leader, so she's super busy. She also is married, has three kids at home, all that stuff. Yeah, I was <laughs> so, like, those are all the things that don't make her busy. It's the other stuff yeah. <laughs> that you didn't mention yet. <laughs> so, yeah, Rachel, glad to have you here. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. This is a very legitimate operation you guys have. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, we, we fake it really well. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> get cool equipment. I know, right? Like yeah. Feel cool. Yeah. yeah. So um, Rachel and I go way back. I thought we might set it up a, a little bit here. So Rachel, I don't know if you want to like. Uh, it was 2010. Yes. Right? Yeah. In a, in a small town called Tucson, Arizona. <laughs> I don't remember the first time we met, Chris. It was probably when you, when Logan was getting ready to play keys for yes. you, right? Yeah. He reached out to me because, uh, so yeah, your husband, Logan, wanted, he's a piano player and, yeah. and I was the worship pastor at a church in Tucson. And Okay. I'd like to stop the podcast right here for a moment and say, if Logan is a keys player, yeah. I'm going to have to talk to him later oh, yeah. because <laughs> we've not seen that gift here. Oh yeah. He's, I mean, oh, he did, he, he he's now, busted. He, yeah, he yeah, does. public he, information. He does, now it is he does in the record. play. If, there was a while that he just, I mean, years that he probably didn't play, but the piano wasn't really set up. And now, yeah, yeah. Whenever he's stressed out, he'll go, man, precious man, he'll go and bust out his hymnal and just play him. Oh, yeah. oh, so he's a awesome. real oh, yeah. piano like, player. He reads, he reads music. And, yes. uh, okay. Oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. He's a, like, a okay, classically trained. <clears throat> yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah very cool. Go. Yeah, but, but anyway. he was getting ready to play, play for you, and um, I think we met that way and started hanging out with Erica because she's a delight. And <laughs> we lived, what, a block away? A block away. From each other? <laughs> That's awesome. And I mean, Taylor and Sierra. Sierra was ooh, two. Maybe, maybe? yeah, one or maybe two. Maybe two. Yeah. They were they were the ones that would feed our fish when we would go when we would travel back here yeah. to come back to Indiana. And um, one night at small group, we had been planning. Gideon was born, and we had been planning for kind of a long time to move back to Indiana. This is where we're from, right? And Logan pulled Chris aside and said, "Hey, man, just letting you know." No, not, not a done deal, but sometime in the next couple months, we're probably going to be moving back to Indianapolis. And Chris, Lo, I remember Logan telling me this, and Chris, he said, Chris got real weird. <laughs> uh, that doesn't take much, no. by the way. <laughs> and he said, Chris got real weird and said, um, 
just to let you know, I have an interview in Greenwood next week, in which it's pretty it's pretty much a done deal. But they need to meet the family to you know make sure they're not they're not weirdos. Or yeah, gotta meet the family. Meet the family. Yeah, <laughs> make sure they're not crazy. Uh, and love it. On the way home, Erica called me and she was like, "Oh my goodness!" <laughs> yeah. So we yeah. moved here within a week of each other. Right. Yeah. And um, they packed up, moved. Then we packed up and. Yep. Here we are. And here we are. Yeah. That's wow. cool. Yeah, that it's really so cool. cool. 11 years ago, man. I know. That's awesome. That's Not time. everybody gets to move with a friend. Right. That's true. You know? Yeah. That's pretty Across big the country. Yeah. Well, it's mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, in, in the same, it's just it's kind of bonkers. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a small world. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, as long as I've known Rachel, she has loved God's word and has, um, I mean, she's she's done all kinds of things, like has always been in BSF, <laughs> as far as I've known, uh, done all kinds of things there. Um, and so the role that you have uh, being part of our uh, women's ministry now, I think is a huge, uh, really great role for you in, in what you're doing. And I'm so thankful that you and Josephine are doing what you're doing, which is so great. Um, so... I want to pitch it to both of you two here because um, next weekend we have a women's conference that's coming up. So tell us about that. Yeah, so we have a two-day two, two day conference. It's Friday night, uh, starting on April 16th, Friday. So from 6.30 mm-hmm. to 8.30, and we're going to have Cindy. She, I mean, she does a, a billion things. She's done things for Simeon Trust. She um, leads her women's ministry over at her church in Illinois, mm-hmm. and she is going to... Help us read the Bible. Um, she's going to really help us understand. You know, I, I I hear a lot of women a lot of times, men and women, but I work with women, so that's who I hear say, "I can't I can't study the Bible unless I have a study." You know, I I need I need a study guide. I need something to direct me through. Yeah. Which I think those are gifts and good things, and I think that that is totally valid um, for certain seasons of life, for certain um, depths of your walk of faith. But also, we can just read the Bible, and we can just study the Bible. And so I think Cindy's going to really help us understand, though, that with that, we need to have certain tools in our tool belt to approach that. That, yeah, you can just pick up, pick up Scripture and read Amos, but if you have some understanding of context, if you have some understanding, I know she's going to talk about the melodic line, which I'm very mm-hmm. excited. <laughs> yeah. Very excited to hear her talk about that. Um, so she's going to help us understand that we, equipped with the Holy Spirit, done so in fellowship and in, co- in community, that we can approach the Holy Word of God and that we can study it and that we can, man, we can just absorb it on our own with each other. And it's going to be, we're going to have worship. Adam's putting together worship. Our lovely friend Ariel is singing, which we're very excited about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'll be a wild time. It's going <laughs> to be awesome. So it's Friday night. Then it's also going to be the next Saturday morning. She's going to do a couple sessions on Saturday morning mm-hmm. as well. Um, we're going to have snacks. There you go. If that's snacks. what you need Good to snacks? Hear. Like good snacks, snacks? Well, I so mean. What's a, what's a like, what do you expect, man? <laughs> I mean, I mean, just like, like you know, like if you're making a Sam's Club run, it's good snacks. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I've got a list good going. Snacks. If you have any suggestions, yep. please yeah. don't pass up the bag of those, man. If you get those cookies, I think they're even like a great value branded little cookie bag. They are very good. Listen, <laughs> I didn't have cookies on the list, and I was just going over it last night with Logan. And he said, "You got to have cookies yeah, to the great list." Great value <laughs> cookie bag. I'm so get sorry. It. Noted. That's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. Ariel, uh, how can someone sign up to go to the conference? Yeah, uh, go to stonescrossing.com forward slash loving the word. We'll have registration open until the Thursday before. 
So we'd love to have you sign up. It's a $25 registration, but if that's an issue for you, please reach out to us. Reach out to Ariel at stonescrossing.com and let us know. We want you to come regardless. This week was Easter Sunday. You guys, did you guys all have a great Easter? How, how did it go? How did it go for you guys? Family, Easter egg hunts, chocolate. What happened? Easter was awesome. Yeah? Yeah, You had man. a baby at home? <laughs> I had a baby at home, man. Yeah. I was really bummed. There was this Easter outfit I really wanted for Graham, but Target just didn't have it in the newborn size. Yeah. <laughs> and I saw other kids wearing it, which made it worse. Like, it's like <laughs> suspender little, like, you've probably seen it with yeah. a bow tie. It was awesome, and I couldn't find it in his oh, size. Oh, you know uh, what? We may have had some twins here this weekend that yeah, were wearing probably that probably both wearing it. Yeah, they probably yes. both wearing it. Was that the same it. outfit? They, they probably yes. took the two okay. that they had in stock, yeah. for okay. sure. Yeah, I wanted that outfit. So, But other than that, man, we had, we had like ham loaf on Saturday night, which Ooh. was great. We had ham on, you know, Easter Sunday, which was awesome. Yeah. It was great. All right. I'm great not a, Easter. I'm not a ham on Easter type of person. Mm. What do you do? I don't know. We ate chicken. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we had shrimp scampi. So Ooh, <laughs> yeah, that's very Easter. That's very Easter. Yeah. None of those are kosher, by Medi- the way. Mediterranean. No, I, yeah. I was thinking about it as I said it. <laughs> For sure. No. Great it's Easter. Fun. Great Easter. Graham met the family. Oh, it was good. That's good. Yeah. Nothing that's but good sweet. stuff. What did your family do, Ariel? We made ham. Oh, yep, <laughs> we made ham, and I love our ham. And then I made the ham into potato soup yesterday, and nice. it was delightful. Oh, you so, you know, it's the gift that keeps on all the week long. Yeah. We're celebrating. But, you know, Easter was interesting this year because my family was serving in all different areas. And so I sat in service with only, like, part of my family, and that just felt weird. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But with your bigger family. Your but oh, hey, Jesus you know that Duke. there is something about that on Friday night. I, I've already said this like during the welcome on Sunday, but Friday night, a worship next to a couple sisters in Christ. And that was such a good feeling to just be back with our church family worshiping in person. What a gift mm, um, awesome. to sing out. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool. Well, this Sunday, uh, Pastor Scott preached the last of the I Am series. This was his sixth message in the series, and he preached on the the uh, passage where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And this is the whole story of the, the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Um, so this is in John chapter 11. Let's, um, let's go ahead and read the passage again. This is a longer story, uh, but let's go ahead and read it. And then, uh, and then I've got a bunch of stuff I want to talk about with this. So let's, let's get into it. Would someone go ahead and read verses 17 to 45? Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Mary, Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Yeah, they were both there. They were. Okay. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. And when she'd said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. 
And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he'd said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Okay, so there's a couple things that are absolutely mind-blowing and amazing about this passage. Um, obviously, the raising of someone from the dead. Um, sometimes I think that we sort of expect that sort of thing from Jesus, so, so it doesn't amaze us and shock us the way that it probably should. But that's, of course, one of those things. But uh, you know what? Another thing that I think is really interesting about this is is um, at, the, at the beginning of the story, Martha. Um, Martha seems to be very well trained and educated in in some of these things. Like she understands that there's going to be this resurrection on the last day. And she really does believe, like, I mean, she gives the confession in verse 27 of Christ, which is really, really cool. Um, so on top of that, you know, one of the things that, that Scott said on Sunday was, uh, this is a quote from him. He said, there must be a resurrection within us before we can rise on the last day, right? Before that, that final resurrection. So let's just start here. What is that that internal resurrection that Scott was talking about? What is that? It's that bringing from death to life, or as John it talks about, from darkness to light. Mm-hmm. And um, and so we know that the scripture says that we are all dead in sin, and um, so there has to be a a raising to life of of the internal self like of the soul before we can actually walk in newness of life and then in resurrection on the last day. Mm. Yeah, what's the quote? Uh, Jesus didn't come to bring to make sick people well. Mm. It's that he came to bring dead people, make dead people alive. Mm. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was such a great point because I think so much of what she's talking about is that that future resurrection. We actually talked about this in our small group last night, completely unrelated um, verse, but... So often when I think about the resurrection, I think about the final resurrection, like the resurrection mm-hmm. in the future. That, yeah. that, that is what is promised to us. That is what the, what we have hope in. And I think that's good to remember that. And it's good to always have our current circumstances through that lens. But I think that we can err on the side of only remembering that mm-hmm. resurrection and that, you know, there can be the error of making everything about here and now. And that's why mm-hmm. we have to remember that resurrection. But also... 
we can make it too much about then. And I mean, that's a great segue into what we're going to start to study in First Thessalonians, right? Yeah. And yeah. we can have that risk of thinking, well, the resurrection's coming, so mm-hmm. what's the matter? Just Maybe, whatever. Whatever. Right. Like, we'll just wait for that and chill and it'll be good and it's coming. So, mm-hmm. And so I think that's so important. I love that he really focused on that this Sunday of that resurrection that also happens here and now, that yeah. it's a both and. Absolutely. God promises us, I mean, when you look at some of the prophecy of of what Jesus is going to inaugurate with Mm -hmm. his coming, his first coming is he promises that there's going to, like, he's going to take that heart of stone out of us and give us a heart of flesh. He's going to put his own spirit within us. He's going to write his law on our hearts. He's going to do all of these Mm -hmm. things that's going to change us, which really, I mean, Ariel, kind of what you were saying, implies that um, there's a problem with us, right? That like there's 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 a serious issue there that needs resurrection. There's death within us that has corrupted us, that has that sin has corrupted us and essentially killed our soul and needs to we need to be regenerated, we need to be transformed um, from the inside out. And so um, I, I heard this once, I thought that was kind of pithy. Uh, but but someone t- uh, said one time it's like, you know, everybody either will be born twice and die once or be born once and die twice. Oh man, that's good. Right? So, so, you know, so you have this idea of like, you know, you're either going to be born, you know, physically and then have your, your, you know, new birth. Right. And then when you die, you're only going to die once and at the resurrection, Mm -hmm. you're not going to die again. So I, I, I thought that was kind of a cool way to put it, but. Well, and I think the reminder there is that life in Christ begins now. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, definitely. verse, verse, kind of that's what you're saying is that, that the picture that we often have is like, okay, I'm going to receive Christ and then I just wait till I die. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just, that's not the actual message of the gospel. The, the message, you know, and as Scott said, is like, you know, you can receive resurrection and new life today. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the point of death, you know, we'll be with Christ. But, but I think, the reminder is that it actually begins today. Yeah. It's not just something you received for like an investment for your future. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. your life begins now. Yeah. It seems like throughout this story, the question that's on everybody's mind is if Jesus just knew that Lazarus was sick. Why didn't he get down there and heal him and ra- and and that way he didn't have to like let him die, go through all that? I mean, what's the deal there? And so we we kind of see that question even before the the passage that we read. Like the disciples are are like, you know, well, what do you mean he's just sleeping? Like, what are you talking about? You know, it's kind of it's kind of this weird. They don't get it. Uh, both Martha and Mary bring up this question, and even the Jews in verse thirty-seven bring up this question: like, why didn't he just like heal him? Like, what's the deal here? So, I guess my question here is like, what is Jesus's answer to this? Like, why did Jesus not go down and heal him immediately? I think it's really cool that um, the gospel writer John actually says that he's written these things so that we might believe, and yeah. and Jesus says the same thing when he's praying. To God, he's, he's saying, Father, I know that you always hear me. Mm-hmm. I'm saying these things so that they might hear and believe. Yeah. Um, and Scott c- called this like the greatest miracle that Je- Jesus performed. It's kind of like the lead up to his finale, you know? <laughs> well, um, don't you think John is kind of spelling that out for us in verse 6 when it says, you know, that he heard that he was ill. It says, so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
you know? Well, and that so is so funny too because the verse it, it, it's connected to the verse before the ver- verse before it is Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. So he didn't go see. So him. he didn't yeah. go down. It's like what? Yeah. And but then back up one more verse. Look at verse four. When Jesus heard it, he said, "This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through mm-hmm. it." So, so there's something about like. He wants to he wants to um, reveal the glory of God through this. He wants people to believe through this. There's something bigger going on than just making sure that no one like that Lazarus doesn't suffer or that Mary yeah. and Martha aren't sad. You know, there's something bigger at stake. Yep, and that's why I think what, what Ariel said is really important to note. And this is kind of a lead in for the weekend, but understand the intention of the gospel author. You know, mm-hmm. why why are they writing? This story, and they're not—they're yeah. not crafting it to create their message, but they're recording the works of Jesus, and they're doing it in such a way that Jesus's ministry is to show us that He came to fulfill these prophecies, and right. so it's more mm-hmm. about Him establishing who He is and the miracles that He's performing. And I think that's—we have to know that. <laughs> like, we can't go, "Oh, well, that's not the loving thing to do." Well, no, the loving thing to do was for Him to actually be who He said He is, which is the Messiah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and 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 lead to His death on the cross. So I think. I think it's that we have to kind of understand the intention behind, you know, this event mm-hmm. beyond just it's about healing somebody. Yeah. Yeah. We're walking through uh, Genesis in, in, in another study that I'm doing. And and one of the things that they said as they were introducing Genesis is that God's way is often to bring his people into peril for his wise purposes, all the while planning through the peril their God-exalting rescue. Mm, And that's so good. But that's hard, man. (laughs) That's really hard. And that's difficult. And I think about I did. I had just talked to my kids about this the other day and um, just talking about suffering, but not wasting the suffering. And we were talking Mm. specifically about Daniel when, um, you know, lion's den. We we know the story. Right. And how I said, isn't it so cool that if Daniel didn't have to go into the lion's Mm. den, he wouldn't have seen the angel and how much of a gift that was. But he had to go through terror mm-hmm. to be able to get that. And, 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 oh man, but I don't, we don't want the suffering. We just want it to be taken away. And I get that because suffering stinks sometimes, mm-hmm. but to, to, to remember to not, to not waste it. And, um, that, that God is planning, you know, his glory through it. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's really good. And I think it's, I think it's without, without even the Holy Spirit in our lives, it's hard to recognize that. Because I've was i I've been reading through, you know, Luke chapter 24 right now for an assignment where it says Jesus revealed their eyes to the Scripture mm-hmm. at the reading, and then he tells them before they go to share the gospel, wait for the Spirit to come. But, but it's really interesting. I mean, these people have been, I'm just going to put it in chapters and not years, they've spent 24 chapters with Jesus, and they spent 24 chapters with him, and they still have no idea who he really is. Yeah. Yeah. So, so kind of what we're saying is, in some sense, they're with him because of the miracles that he's performing and what he's doing for them, even as a nation, what he's going to accomplish for them. They haven't even came to understand, you know, who he is as we've been working through these I am statements. And so again, it's important to remember that, that these works of Jesus are more about establishing who he is than they're about what he's actually doing. Yeah. Like he's doing them to establish his person, you know, Mm -hmm. his personhood. And I just think, I just think we need to recognize that. And then even know without the spirit working inside of us, those things are going to fall on deaf ears. (laughs) <laughs> like we're not going to be revealed to those things. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How normative do you think it is? Because I mean, we've already jumped to like, hey, this is something that we even see in our own life, that type of mm-hmm. thing. But how how normative is that? Where uh, God uses our painful circumstances, or even or even um, you know even 
kind of puts us in those situations that, that become sort of painful or, or, or hard for us to where there's even some suffering and things like that. How normative is that for, for that sort of situation to be something that God uses for his glory or to, or to bring faith in, into people? Like what, what's, is this, is this what all suffering is about or is this like, you know what I mean? You know what I'm asking there? <laughs> I mean, that's a good question because really like when you're in a fallen world, we know that there is going to be some suffering that just, it is just brokenness mm-hmm. all around us. And we're just, bumping into the brokenness of all the other folks who are broken around us too. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we keep coming back to Romans eight twenty eight, that he works all things for all the good. Things, yeah. And that includes all things. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think we can pretty much yeah. rely on that. Chris and I, we were texting last night about something. And one of the things he said to me was um, that I, he's like, God must be teaching you a lot over mm-hmm. this last two weeks. You know, you had, a, you had your first kid. You're going to learn a lot of lessons. Yeah. And my response to him was like, Yes, and probably things that I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's the better leaning. Like, I, I don't want, you know, I'm not going to go around and try to interpret everything that God's trying to teach me, but I'm going to just assume that in the good and in the bad, he's growing me in ways, you know, towards his likeness, helping me understand him more, probably in ways that sometimes I can't even recognize. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm just going to lean there versus just assuming that it's like, this is just random chance that this happened this way. Because I think that's the better posture. Is it to say God's up to something? If it's right. if I'm suffering, I'm learning something. Yeah. If there's blessing here, He's establishing something. You know, whatever's going on, God's up to something. Yeah, that's know? right. I mean, Romans. Just to go back very specifically here, the Apostle Paul talks to us about suffering. Right. This is Romans chapter five, verse three. He says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so I think if, you know, whenever we face some kind of suffering, whenever we, we, we go through some difficult circumstance of some kind, I think really our perspective as Christians should be like, okay, what is God doing in the midst of this to produce endurance and character and hope within me? And to actually look at that as something to rejoice in rather than mm-hmm. to just be dismayed through the suffering that we're going through. But that's a hard perspective to have oh, when yeah. you're in the moment. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I mean, easier said than done, right? So, <laughs> Well, um, let's go ahead and jump to um, uh, a little bit further in the story here. Let's go down to verse um, 32. So... This is when now, like, he's already talked to Mary, uh, to Martha, and now he's going to be talking to Mary. Mary has that same question. Lord, if you've been here, my brother wouldn't have died, right? And verse 33, and Scott pointed out something really interesting about verse 33. Um, so verse 33 says, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And Scott's absolutely right. Like this, that little phrase there, deeply troubled. In fact, the whole phrase is really difficult to translate. Um, and translators are really um, split on what mm-hmm. is actually being said there. Um, and so, because the only time, there's only this thing greatly troubled, that word is only used three other times in the entire Bible. And, uh, and so it's really hard to know what, because ex- most of the time it's talking about like, um, being sort of scolded. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like, like a sternly yeah. type of a type of a thing. So, so it's like, okay, well, what is he, what is he getting at there? And so the, um, most of the commentators that I've been, uh, been reading about with this one, um, are kind of getting to the same thing that Scott said that it's like a, it's like a troubled 
Um, it's disturbed. It's distressed. It's um, it's probably indicating um, some sort of righteous anger, mm. coupled with grief at the same time, and all of that. So he's like, he's like upset. He's like physically, visibly upset over what's going on. And so the question that um, that people have over this is, what is he actually upset about? What do you guys think? Hmm. You know, even when we were when we were listening to Scott preach, I thought, oh, I think there's a lot of interpretations to this. Yeah. You know, what is he upset that these people don't still believe? I think some people will say that that's a, yep. that's an interpretation. Is he upset at the fact that death is an enemy? You know, mm-hmm. that that he is just this is not how it was supposed to be. Um, I, I think that's you know I think that's a valid interpretation. Um, I don't know. We don't have tone, you know. I, I I think about that in terms of also just with with the way that Mary and Martha are talking to him. I think so much of this, we can bring our own presuppositions of oh, I just had always heard it was this, and and truly, when you actually read it and and you know take a step back from it, oh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just think troubled's a good way to put it. That's yeah. all, that's all I'm thinking about in my mind. <laughs> I don't. I forget the passage we were looking at a couple weeks ago. Um, and there was another descriptor where it said Jesus. What, what what did it describe Jesus as? Do you remember? It was like yeah. It was like they were, they were saying like they were anxious, but then earlier it said that Jesus was anxious. It's like it was like Jesus was like anxious that. about this. Yeah, and, and and so it was putting like I would, would sure forget it. But but the point the point being was like that there, there's this you, you're seeing an expression for troubled, which I think is a fitting emotion to show that like Christ Christ had in his humanity. I mean, it mm-hmm, could be more right. than that, but leave it there. And it's like, it's, it's a good reminder for us that like trouble, I just feel like troubled is such a better way to describe how to handle your emotions than how I often handle my emotions. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the point that I was getting yeah. at is that yeah. I often think, you know, it's like, oh, he was ticked. Like he was right. mad, like, or he was, I mean, he was so upset. He was so emotional. He, he couldn't even do anything about it. Yeah. He couldn't think. I just, that's what I was getting at. What I think of, I, I mean, I think of the weeping prophet and I think of yeah. lament, just yes. lament mm-hmm. and, and, you know, speaking of Jeremiah and I, and his lament over his people that he loved and that's, I mean, that's kind of what I, I think of when I see this. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's like Jesus. It's like Jesus was not a robot. I guess is kind of yeah. what I'm getting at. It's it's not this like, oh, okay, I'm here now. Like, Do-do-do. let's handle. I mean, even in the delivery, it's like, I, this is like some of the most traumatic like experiences of my life. Watching this delivery happen, and this doctor is just like, here's what we're doing next. <laughs> you know, like yeah. he's almost a robot about it. It's 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 helpful to see that like Jesus experienced. Um, Emotions. Yeah. So, so that's <laughs> like actually he, my question: he is cared. <laughs> why? You know? Why is that so important for us to know that our mediator, mm-hmm. you know, the mediator between us and, mm-hmm. and and the Father, actually understands the emotional side of what we go through? Why is that so critical? It just establish it establishes the weight of the cost that that He gives up for us. You know, mm-hmm. I guess in some sense, it's like if if Jesus. Um, if Jesus experiences these things, you know, in the flesh, even just as that, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the way that we do, and he responds in the way that we often do, um, there's an alignment there that's just, you know, I mean, like, I, I'm all over the place, but I, I'm thinking more like I just watched, you know, I've watched a million shows the past couple of weeks, and <laughs> one of the movies I watched was Rain Man, you know? Oh, yeah. And it's like there's a, there's a, there's a difference in the way that, you know, the two characters experience 
um, emotions, you know, being that one's autistic and, and one's not. And, um, it's like, it's when somebody can identify with the experience of the pain of death and then they're still willing to go forward, you know, with a death, um, mm. that, and, and give up their son, it, it just raises the magnitude of the experience where it's, it's a true sacrifice. Mm -hmm. It's, if it doesn't have weight, it's not a sacrifice. And so I, that doesn't establish the weight of it, but, but it, at least the emotional, the emotional response helps interpret for me that like this costs something yeah. to lose a friend, to, you know, to experience this, to maybe not help in exact, exactly the way that people wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, it, cost something. Yeah. And I guess that's, that for me carries a weight that I can identify with. Yeah. It makes me think of Hebrews. And if he were to be our priest, he had to come from among us, mm -hmm. but he also had to be perfect mm -hmm. in order to atone. Um, and so it gets real deep there where, you know, he has experienced all the range of emotions and all all the temptation and all the weight and all of the relational strife and hurt um, that we have among us, he walked in it um, and then was able to keep the law perfectly and become our righteous high priest um, from among us. So that's just a little like reason. I just think that's such a neat Absolutely. reason that he is showing us in, in his word how closely he walked among us. Yeah. And he understands, like he understands yeah. the things that we go through so that, I mean, going back to Hebrews, he, you know, Hebrews talks about how he is consistently interceding for us to the Father, mm -hmm. right? He's praying for us. And as he does that, he understands us so well that he's able to pray for us in ways that um, are, are, um, are really just perfect. It's, it's, it's really, I mean, it, it, like he can, he can, um, understand what we're going through and pray exactly what we need on our behalf. And so he is truly the perfect mediator mm -hmm. um, between us and the Father in that, in that respect. Yeah. yeah. Or in every respect. So let me qualify that. I have a question for you. So he, I love how Scott talked about how um, Jesus addressed Martha and Mary differently with the same question. They both, or well, they both said, if you had the same statement, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. Um, but Jesus responds to them differently. And he just pointed that out and walked that out in his sermon. And I thought that was so interesting. And we see Martha here make a statement that he is the Christ who has come into the world. And I, isn't that the first time, at least in John, that anyone has said that? Um, and so you have this declaration of who he is, um, which is so profound that, you know, she was sitting under his teaching. She had gone from thinking that his teaching was for, for others, you know, and that she was there just to take care of him. And she was, you know, imploring Mary to do the same. And then she has done a 180. And now she has, on the other side, come out as the student of, of who he is, so much to the point that she is declaring who he is mm -hmm. um, before he does this amazing thing to show us that, yes, Martha, what I told you about resurrection life is absolutely going to happen on the last day, but what I'm about to show you is, means that resurrection life is the now and not yet, mm -hmm. that it will be f for now and for, for the future. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just thought that was beautiful, and I, I, I love little nuances that if we take time to sit in the scripture that we get to see 
who Christ is even even better. Yeah. It kind of brings up an interesting question because maybe some people are confused on this on this point, but how is Lazarus's resurrection different than the resurrection that we'll experience on the last day? Mm-hmm. Lazarus still died again. <laughs> right. right? Yeah. His bones are somewhere on this earth. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that um, there's a couple things here that I think are so important for us because we talked about this on Sunday, just a little pocket of us out in the foyer, how some of us have probably grown up thinking that um, we don't have a bodily resurrection. Like we just assumed that our spirit would go up to heaven and float in the clouds with a harp and it would ju- that would be it. Yeah. Um, but Jesus sa- is saying like y- you will join in a resurrection like his, that it, it is it is going to be bodily. Mm-hmm. And, and he shows us through Lazarus that he calls his body out. And Scott even said, you know, if he hadn't been specific, all the bodies would have come yeah. on, yeah. which great. is pretty yeah. cool to think about. <laughs> and they actually did when he died. Right. When And so uh, just that thought that our body means something, um, that God redeems even our broken bodies and will raise those on the last day. Um, but yes, that difference there that Lazarus still died again Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll be raised again. Yeah. That he's getting to get raised twice, like lucky Lazarus. Yeah. That's that's so fun that he gets to experience But he also that. has to die twice. So. Truth. <laughs> well, and, and, and he died. I, you know, I, I, some of me, really, this is a tough story because you, you think of when Paul says to, to live as Christ, to die as gain. Mm-hmm. Lazarus died. Mm-hmm. And then he brought him back to a still broken body, yeah. to a still mm-hmm. fallen world. Yeah. And I, man, that's that's tough, you know, <laughs> to display the glory of God. So I, yeah, yeah. And it is, I mean, it's, it's tough. to live as Christ, right? You yeah. know, to live is to show Christ. And this, like you said, yeah. this is the, the, the miracle uh, of miracles, but still part of me is like, oh, poor Lazarus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think Scott alluded to that a bit too, you know, that like death, we celebrate birthdays, but we don't always celebrate death in the yeah. same way. And I think I think that's that is a good thing to note in this story. It's like, is he better dead? <laughs> well, in Christ, yes. And right. Jesus still has to die on the cross, and all, there all this stuff we right, can get right. into with that. Yeah. But but it's like, are we better dead than alive? And I, well, I think what Paul actually argues in that passage is, is yes. like, yes, yes. <laughs> it is. But, but, but yeah. for the good yeah. of the church, he yeah. is still alive, just yes. like Lazarus, for the good of the church, so that they yeah. may see and believe. Absolutely. Yeah. But still, to die is gain. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, that's good. At the very end of the sermon, Scott asked this question, are you drawn to the beauty of the gospel is the way that he that he posed this question. Um, he, you know, he's asking, you know, do you know him? Not just assent to his, um, you know, to that there is a person named Jesus and that he is the son of God, but do you know him? Are you, are you drawn to that beauty of the gospel? I, I, I guess I want to ask this question because... Sometimes I would say to this idea of being drawn to the beauty of the gospel is something that seems like it kind of ebbs and flows. It comes and goes in some ways. Um, like sometimes, I, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I'm like, oh man, I'm just so like captivated by what God has done. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, that's really good. But I'm not like moved to tears in the same way <laughs> as I am at other times and things like that. So, I mean, do we feel this way all the time? Should we feel this way all the time? And what what helps you to stay connected and captivated to this to this message that that should be, you know, should be sort of like moving us forward in the Christian life. I mean, I think there is a like a liturgy to the ordinary of life um, that we 
aren't always in the middle of a high all the time or we would gag ourselves with his glory because that just we wouldn't be able to withstand it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that, you know, just the basic walking day to day and reading his word and we do that not so that we have this like momentary experience, but so that later on the spirit will call it to mind and we'll get to witness what he's doing through the gospel and in, in sweet moments. Um, and I think that's what makes them so much sweeter is that they're not all the time. No, I agree. I mean, there's, there's, you know, you've got recorded gospel, but you've got three years of ministry. I'm sure yeah. there were down times that we don't know about. I mean, as a kid, it used to always bother me that like, I mean, I'm, I, this is a weird way to put it, but like nobody ever went to the bathroom in movies, but it's like, <laughs> it's like the mundane's not going to be recorded. Sure. <laughs> you know, there's a purpose. So like you're saying, it's like, I think we need to remind ourselves that even in Jesus's ministry, while there were, you know, incru- a lot happened, you know, there were downtimes. There were times where he retreated. There was, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't always like, boom, 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 everything's happening every day and it's just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's, and I think that's just a reminder for us that there are going to be those seasons in life where, you know, it seems even that God's clearly doing things and scriptures revealed to us in ways that maybe it wasn't in other seasons. And there's going to be seasons where it's like, we're just remaining faithful, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, and it's not, it's not the magnificent every, every day. Totally. But I think that's still part of the gospel is our yeah. just complete reliance and dependence mm-hmm. on God. And part of that dependence is rest too. Yeah. And part of that dependence is in mm-hmm. the liturgy of the ordinary, you know, and I think in that, no, it doesn't seem um, as glamorous as some, as Lazarus raising from the dead. Uh, we talked about this. It got real existential last night in our D group when we were talking about this, that, um, you know, sometimes in life, uh, they were they were saying that they were having a conversation recently. And what's the point? You know, when we talk, when we were just talking about like life and resurrection now, and that's that's what we had to go back to of of God is the God who sees. He's the God who sees when you are up in the middle of the night with that new baby, when you are working on your seminary papers, when you are doing the ordinary, not like gospel. These things are the ministry of life. You know, <laughs> He's the God who sees these things. So even in the the resurrection of Lazarus. Or in the taking out of your trash, that's still a complete reliance and dependence yep. on God. Mm. Be thankful that this is what He has for you. You yeah. know, and, I, and I'm saying that as if I'm quoting my wife's reading Risen Motherhood right now. Oh yeah, <laughs> and that's that's Good. a that's a big part of that's yeah. a big part of it is just the yeah. reminder that like God has you where He has you, um, and work to interpret and learn what He's teaching you in these moments. Mm. But don't always think that He has to have more, <laughs> you know, or yeah. want something else. Yeah. That's really good. Well, guys, thanks so much for this conversation this morning. This was really fun. Um, uh, Rachel, thanks for joining us. Yay, Rachel. Hey. She's an asset. You can come, you can come yeah. back sometime. I, uh, I stole my You passed the test. I'm so sorry. Oh, man. Um, hey, this week we are starting a brand new series. What What is – Mitch, tell us about the series. What, what are we doing? You're going to ask the guy to tell you about the series that's not been here in three weeks. <laughs> yes, I am. Put you on the spot. In game. Thessalonians, right? First Thessalonians. Yep, yeah, that's what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about – First Thessalonians. Yeah. Scott's it's- preaching three weeks. I'm preaching the fourth <laughs> awesome. on a passage that I'll tell you about later. That's a great, that's a great setup, my man. Yeah. And actually, what, well, sort of the theme for what we're going to be looking at in this new series is a lot of what we've talked about here. Like, how do we go through the circumstances that we're going through when we have perspective of the end? Mm-hmm. And so much of Thessalonians is really dealing with that kind of a concept. So uh, so that's what we can look forward to next week as we dive into First 
Thessalonians chapter one. Yeah. Uh, that'll be going on next week. So uh, yeah, we hope that you will join us next week when we get to talk about all of that here on the Sunday recap. We will see you then.